if you're watching something bad happen, but you know you can prevent it, yeah, like enabling the situation, which it makes you as bad as the person that's carrying out the action with malicious intent. Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew, a guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life, whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly, find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. Okay, so I'm very excited to welcome Daniel on today's episode of Find Your Voice. Daniel, how are we doing today? Oh, I'm doing very well, Aaron, and thanks for inviting me on your podcast. You're very, very welcome. Now, myself and Daniel, we've had some brief conversations over social media before we jumped into this episode. And I think Daniel's story is going to bring light to something that we haven't discussed on Find Your Voice, which is what I'm really, really excited about. And one of the questions I actually asked Daniel, I think it was a few days ago, was what do you want to gain from this particular episode? And his answer was really fitting with Find Your Voice. And it was that people should focus on their own health before they help others, which is obviously an underlying thing with Find Your Voice. The whole premise behind the show is to encourage people to have the courage to be themselves and go out there and technically find their voice. So Daniel, it's going to be very exciting having a conversation with you. What I want to start with though is for the audience to get to know you. I want the audience to understand a little bit about yourself, a little bit about the things that you do, why you do the things you do. So uh, over to you, my friend. I'm Daniel. I'm 28 years old. I have cerebral palsy and Asperger's. I was diagnosed with cerebral palsy from birth and I was diagnosed with Asperger's when I was 22 years old after I graduated from university. I've got a business management degree, with a 2-1 degree, from Manchester Metropolitan University. What I enjoy doing is I enjoy mentoring and helping out. I mentor the business management students on the Young Enterprise Programme. I also have a friend that I give business advice to, and I also have other mentees that sort of help with either the job or maybe the business skills Fantastic. So um, I knew a little bit about that. So it's, I'm, I'm glad you've obviously shared that. I think the first question, and this is probably what listeners are thinking about as well, is could you explain a little bit more about the Asperger's and the cerebral palsy and how that affects maybe your weekly or your daily kind of life? That's a good question. Um, cerebral palsy, it affects your muscles and your balance and coordination. Like for example, I can fall over on any surface, no matter how smooth or flat it is, without warning. So something could be like, like four surface could be completely flat and I could just, my balance could go over. Um, it affects like the more tired I get, then the more of a danger like it could be. But I always make sure I ha I'm with like friends or relatives just to like, make sure to counter it yeah but also um with asperger's um that comes under the umbrella of the autistic spectrum asperger's is originally classed as like the high end or where it's called the high in like the high intelligence sort of end although some people with asperger's 
don't necessarily have that. Mm-hmm. Other notable people that have Asperger's are Bill Gates, the creator of Pokemon, but also Anthony Hopkins. Okay. Like, how I see Asperger's is, to explain it to people in a simple way, is it's a different way of processing. Like, think of Windows and Apple. Mm-hmm. It's just a different processing system and a different way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, I think I briefly mentioned this during our earlier conversations. This was about, I think, eight years ago. I was actually reading a book, and it, the gentleman who wrote the book, he was um, diagnosed with Asperger's as well. And he was explaining how he had this almost incredible intelligence with mathematics. So what he was able to do was if you ask him any mathematical equation or anything, he was almost quicker than a calculator because of the way his brain was processing stuff. But what was interesting was he would struggle with emotions and relating to other people with emotions. So if he saw somebody, for example, crying in his family, he would have to think of, I can't remember the exact number, but I think it was like the number seven, which for him was kind of like a, a larger, um, more of a daunting kind of number, which would kind of allow him to at least almost look like he's empathizing with it. Um, And this is what I wanted to move on to, because I remember we had this conversation and you said something about you. It was about your empathy. You have reduced levels of empathy. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. um, With Asperger's and autism, it affects your sensory input, but also your emotions. Mm -hmm. Like you'll either experience it in like to like the really high end where you could be say for we'll take empathy for example you could have it to a point where you're too empathetic to where you feel like everyone's sort of pain around you to a point where it really emotionally affects you but for me i'm at the opposite like i know what it is i just don't feel it as like intense or anything and how do you deal with that so for example if you saw somebody close to you maybe experiencing some trauma or feeling upset how does that affect you then knowing that one you're not feeling it do you have to go out your way to try and feel something or are you just completely immune to to any of that it's i'm sort of like completely like immune to it in in a way where like I'm observing the situation, but what I'm thinking there is, how can I best help that person? Mm-hmm. Because I know that if they continue to stay like, stay upset, it could put them in an even more like compromising or dangerous situation, whether physically, mentally, or emotionally. Mm-hmm. And because of how my mind works, it, my mind how it processes things is like in a solutions kind of way okay. so i'm seeing like how can the situation sort of be solved like my brain works like where you explained about the person with the mathematics yeah, one yeah. for me my skill is problem solving and solutions so i see as like the person's going through a bit of a problem how could i best help them out in this situation so you're almost coming from a perspective of logic as opposed to emotion. Yeah. And I think, to be honest, one of the, one of my downfalls, and probably many people listening to this, is if you're overly empathetic, and I've only realized recently over the last few years I'm, I'm considered more of an empath, it can be very, very consuming on your mind and yeah. your, your mental health. And I find myself almost 
I'm very extreme in my behavior. So I want to help the world as much as I can. Then all of a sudden I've got no energy left. And that's why when you said something about you have to look after yourself first, I take that on board so much now. So sometimes I'm just saying to everyone, look, I need to, I need to get away. And I kind of almost wish there was some in between, in between yeah. i.e., what you have and then obviously what I'm experiencing. But it's almost, and, and correct me if I'm, if I'm putting words into your mouth and I get this wrong, but I feel like it's like ignorance is a bliss to the point that with yourself, maybe you being unable to feel that, are you still able to be happy every day or do you wish that you had some element of feeling empathetic towards people or are you generally happy in the way that you're, you're living your life now? Like I'm generally happy in like the way that I'm living my life because I live a life sort of without regret because life's life short, which is what makes it precious. Mm. And in that, Time is also limited, but people don't actually realise that. Yeah. So it's about how you... For me, it's like, how do I make the use of my time effectively, but also how I'm best like helping myself, but also helping others? Mm -hmm. Because I believe that if my, my health is not good, if my health isn't good, then I can't effectively be at my best to help say for example other people that needs it mm -hmm. because my brain could be foggy due to tiredness from the mixture of my cerebral palsy and Asperger's and if my brain's if I'm experiencing brain frog then I can't say like be as good with coming up with say like the solutions to help and also if you're not looking after yourself then eventually it's going to put you in a bad space either physically mentally or emotionally which could lead to like depression mm -hmm. so which what i found what i found from people is they help a lot of people but at the expense of themselves and you can see them go through complete like burnout or have a bit of a breakdown and it's like and it's like a bit it can be like weird to see because it's like they're the most helpful person but yet they're taking their own life for granted and effectively putting themselves into an early grave through the stress. I, I echo that and I've spoken about this openly because it's happened to my mom. So my mom, in my eyes, obviously we're all biased, but she's one of the most caring individuals that I've ever come across from her nursing background to adopting kids to fostering children. She's always giving, giving, giving. Until eight years ago, she had nothing left to give. And almost at the detriment of her own health, she suffers with chronic depression now. So she's on maximum medication. She has bad days more often probably than good days. And when I sing that, knowing that I'm very similar to my mom and my younger brother is as well, I have to now see that experience and try and detach myself. So almost like yourself, I, I have the moments where I really just want to help and encourage and support people like I do with this podcast. It's, it's a selfless pursuit. It's, I don't get, it's not monetized or anything. It's always just to try and help people and inspire hope. But sometimes I have to step away from it. Sometimes I need to think if you keep doing this, you're going to end up like, like your mom. But um, what I did want to touch on, and I just made a note here, which I think is, it's beautiful actually, is you mentioned that you have reduced empathy. And when I first heard that, I thought maybe, and I mean this respectfully, maybe you don't care about people. But what I actually love is you're actually focused on helping people all the time in terms of solutions and trying to give value back. So actually 
you're doing it from a place that's not almost detrimental to your own health, but you're still managing to make an impact, which I think is fantastic. And I want to acknowledge you for that. Because for me, like, that is the gift that Asperger's has sort of blessed me with my problem-solving brain. How I equate to my brain as being like a Ferrari without brakes. It's running at that speed, but it's not slowing down. So, say for example, I'd be in classes at university where the tutor would say like, give everyone half an hour to solve the problem. I'd know what they were trying to solve within like 10 minutes. But I think... Where we mentioned on the empathy at times, it's like a double-edged sword because it's a blessing in that I can be emotionally detached from situations to allow me to make decisions like based on logic. Mm-hmm. But at times, it's that the building like the connections with people. Yeah. Like sometimes that can be harder because they might misinterpret me to say, like as you know, um, I say. I can say things as they are. Absolutely. And to the wrong type of person, if they're not used to that, you'd compare it as, say, like, shell shock. It, like, hits them and they're like, why have I not heard this? Like, I sort of give that unfiltered honesty. It's it's almost, and I mean this 100% respectfully, it's like a child. A child doesn't necessarily think about what they're saying or the long-term consequences or try to be polite or sugarcoat anything. It's, It's literally, this is what I believe, or this is what I feel, and this is how I'll say it. And sometimes that works perfectly. But I think we're in a society where we're almost tiptoeing around and stuff as well. Um, That Again, if I didn't know having a previous conversation, and I was just to look at, say, for instance, part of our conversation, you could almost consider it quite blunt. Actually, knowing knowing who you are and why you were saying that, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. So this is again a, a, a huge reason reason sorry why i wanted to share this podcast because i want to give awareness to people for example who may come across people like yourself and at least understand from your perspective maybe the obstacles that you may face i.e forming relationships for example yeah. like for me people say forming relations with me is quite easy because i'm upfront mm. so whether I like or dislike someone, they'll know. <laughs> yeah. They'll know near enough, like, straight yeah. straight away. But also, because I'm, like, quite calm and laid back, it's actually easy because I don't bring, like, drama of anything, like, what you might get from some, like, what you might get, like, some people. And also, I believe in the same way you should be a fountain, not a drain. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Like, like some people, they like a drain and that can create like negative influences. Like say, for example, you're an empath. If you're around with someone that's constantly negative, that will impact on your mental health negatively. Mm. Like me, for example, I'm not positive. I'm not negative. I'm what you call the middle, the realist like i see the world without i see the world for what it is like without the filter so i see like the unfiltered version of everything yeah which at times it's it's weird because you like explain you can explain it to people but they don't fully of course get it like can appear a bit naive Mm. or like i say for example 
when you tell someone they're applying for a job, it's like the organisation crash you as a name and number. You're effectively replaceable. They're like, oh, no, they'd never do that. Yeah. It's like, I admire your optimism, but <laughs> the reality of the situation is yeah. the business wants to make like money at the end of the day. It's like, I admire the positivity in that it does make the world a better place, mm. but the wrong person that can exploit that. Of course. I just want to touch on something there, Daniel, if I may. So you mentioned about how you've explained that you have an unfiltered view of the world. And when you explain that to people, obviously nobody's understanding it exactly how you're saying it. But I also feel that's the same for anyone, I suppose, in anyone's yeah. use. For example, when I try and explain to people that I'm an empath, and genuinely, when I sit with people and they tell me about their troubles and stuff, I feel like I've, I've taken that on my, my heart and my brain and I almost feel like all my energy has gone in that day, um, taking away their pain. And even explaining that to people, I think they just kind of nod and agree. And, and it's kind of like one of those things. You don't feel a broken leg until you've broke your own leg. For example, if you yeah. see somebody walking around with a broken leg, it doesn't, it doesn't affect you as much until it, something's happened to yourself. So I think we all kind of struggle with that. But what I want to ask you if, if I may is you mentioned something and this is just out of curiosity and maybe listeners are thinking this as well you said you're like a Ferrari with no brakes on and you're constantly going you're constantly problem solving are there any negative repercussions to that I mean do you practice self-love and knowing when oh, to yeah. take time off and stuff oh I, I make quite extremely important because that's okay. part of my health like if I don't have that rest then I'll experience the like really bad brain frog and it'll be more detrimental to me because when you're in that brain fog that's when because i'm not concentrating i'm then being hit by everything because as part of autumn and asperger's there's like a bit of a filter missing in the input of your the brain which causes sensory overload and a meltdown so where i'm at i unfortunately have that well, it, I'd say it's both a blessing and a curse. I have that level of self-awareness where I know my own strengths and I know my own weaknesses to the point where I know what I have to do to keep me running at like my best. And if we may then dive a little bit into, say, for instance, your personal life in terms of uh, maybe on like a weekly basis or something, could you give us a week in the life of Daniel, perhaps? Well, normally I get up about 10 in the morning. Mm -hmm. I go down and I have my breakfast. And I'll, sit, uh, I'll sit with my dogs while my dad does the housework and while my mum's doing her work. And my uncle is being seen to by like, his carers. Then normally about, say, 12 till potentially 1 or 2, I'll go and have a nap. Then... Then normally after when I've had that, I'm usually cost it. I'd like say three till six. It's like my free time, but also where I use that time to help sort of my friends because they're not like right after this time. They're not like Daniel's had like his nap, his brain's functioning yeah. a lot, and it can like help me. So I'll either like answer questions. Like one of my friends, for example, recently um, he needed help in getting a pay rise, and I'm like, right, you're in a job. Um, you have to, if you're getting a pay rise, whatever you say, you have to make sure you back it up with statistics mm -hmm. because otherwise your boss might think, 
is just being a bit cheeky and asking for a pay rise when his statistics might show is a poor performer. Of course. Mm. Like, because of the way, like, my brain works in logic, I have to make sure there's evidence for things because that's effectively the data and the more information that I have, then the more I can effectively make an accurate decision in order to help people. Understood, understood. And this is a question, again, I apologise if it's really naive um, as my my knowledge on it is is quite low. In relation to, and I'm going to try and dumb this down for, for my own understanding, you have a different processing. The way you process stuff, sorry, is different to myself. Is there a way, for example, where you can potentially over a course of a time change that so you can start processing stuff like myself? Are there things that you can develop within yourself? Um, I, what I've learned is because I'm from like a council estate and working class background, I've sort of, what I've learned is you can't trust, sometimes when people say something, their actions might do something else. So I've, I've learned to not as much trust people what they say, but yes. learn their actions, for, but watch their actions as well. But also, I'm bad at reading body language. Mm -hmm. So what I have to do is I have to pay attention to what someone's saying. Mm -hmm. I have to pay like close attention. And then what I have to do is, because my memory is really good, I can recall all their behaviours, what they've done. Yeah. That's even when they've not seen me where I've observed it. And I'm like, based on all this information, is this person being truthful mm. or are they lying mm. or being a bit misleading and deceptive mm -hmm. so you could say my lie detector yeah has improved that's brilliant yeah a lot to a point where i can detect if someone's doing it mm -hmm. and i assume that's because of your high intelligence and self-awareness you, you're able to kind of navigate that and almost learn that and also because of my high attention to detail, I'm good at spotting patterns. Mm -hmm. And they say like in human psychology, if you watch someone's behavior for say, say for example, a month, you would know that person's behavior inside out. Like say for example, whether that's, say for example, your mom, your wife, brother or sister, if you spend time with someone long enough, you can effectively predict their behavior. Yeah. To a certain extent, like you'll know when they can be a bit angry. You'll yeah. you'll know their triggers, what can send them off the wall. You know what can make them sad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can near enough like predict what they're gonna do before they'll even do it. Absolutely, absolutely. And as you were saying that, I think I wrote this probably about six months ago. It was it was a lyric from a rapper, and he says, "I watch your actions. I don't watch the fancy words in your captions." And effectively, that's what. It just resonated with me because I'm like, everyone knows the right things to say. You know, we're all smart enough to understand that if we use words like integrity or authenticity and we say clever it's things. It's emotive language. People absolutely. pay attention to it. Absolutely. And I see that so much. But then like yourself, another thing I try and do, maybe not to as much detail as yourself, is I sit back and I watch their actions. And what, you're, what you'll see from time to time is they let their guard slip. And they, or they let their mask slip. And this is what's really interesting. So you've got a person who's pretending to be nice all the time, something goes wrong, and then all of a sudden they're, they're blowing the roof off or calling somebody 
X, Y, and Z. And you're thinking, right, is that, is that either a bad day or is that your true colors? And then it happens again. And then again, I, I, I try and take note. And then what you realize is it, it's a lot of like a facade. It's almost like people go into one of those, is it like masquerades where you're wearing masks? Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's, I find it upsetting that that's, that's the world that we live in. But I think I just kind of have to accept that, I suppose. Yeah, it's like because of how I, because of, as, as we discussed mm-hmm. earlier on this video, I see things with like the realist perspective. So it's without that filter. And, what, and because I'm watching that person's behavior over months, I can sort of, yeah. it sort of reveals what their true character is like. What I've learned is people's true character either gets revealed over time or it gets revealed in a bad situation. So, if you're committed to not only enhancing your mental health, but also your physical well-being too, then you need to check out our new sponsors, Health Excel. Providing you the best superfood blends on the market in their non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and of course, organic formulas, they bring you superfoods like no others you have seen on the market. They also don't just stop there, as they provide you free consistent information to educate and empower you on your overall health and well-being journey. So don't just stop at the end of a Find Your Voice episode. Get yourself some XL blends and put the odds in your flavor. Once it goes live, there will also be a unique discount for anyone who comes from the Find Your Voice podcast as you guys are now part of my family and I only want to see you thrive even more. So check out the links in the description below and get notified as soon as they go live. Back to the episode. Absolutely. I think that last point is... It's actually a piece of advice I gave to a, a young friend of mine who's getting involved in property. And I says, before you ever get involved in a deal with somebody, for example, or a business partner, just throw a hypothetical spanner in the works. I just stir something up. I'm not, not obviously too detrimental. And I said, watch how that person reacts because it's very easy being all happy and nice and you know shaking hands and taking selfies when things are going well. But I think a true test of a person's values and character is when and I'll use the phrase, shit hits the fan. Yeah. How, do they, how do they react? And, and I recognize that so much. I mean, we've just come off um, the back of um, a poor valuation and we're just appealing the process now. And I could easily sit here and point fingers within my team. And the first thing that I do is we have to take accountability as a team. You know, if, the, if we had got the right valuation, we'd be celebrating. So I'm not here now sitting here saying, well, maybe you should have done this. Maybe you should have done that. However, I've seen other ventures where people are very quick to kind of point out. And I think they don't realize that they're on display. So people like yourself and people like me, we're always watching these people. And I think, I think you've hit the nail on the head there with that. And also to bring up your point, I believe like self-accountability is important mm-hmm. because say, for example, like I tell my friend who owns a business, mm-hmm. as a business owner, you're not responsible for yourself. You're also responsible for your employees' livelihoods. Mm. And also... If you're saying you're delivering a service to customers and you're not delivering it, you're effectively damaging your own word as a human being. Yeah. You're damaging like your own integrity. And I'll add to that. I think I'm fully agreeing with you and I think that is the way that we should all act. But I just feel there are obviously people out there who potentially that, I don't really think that bothers them. Um, I don't know if they're sociopaths or narcissists or whatever you want to call them, but. Or there could be, what I've, what I've found with society, unfortunately, these days is that people are focused on materiality. Mm. 
it's like oh this nice fancy car or the nice house yeah is it you have a girlfriend that looks like a model they go for like yeah they go like for me like a big turn off for me is like small talk i like the deep conversations because it's making my mind sort of more active and it's allowed me to put sort of focus on like the deeper meaningful stuff because that's where you learn about a person's true character and personality like absolutely i i i fully agree with that that's something that i one of the reasons i love doing this show is to meet people like yourself and just have conversations that i wouldn't necessarily normally have and i feel like this platform gives me the opportunity to have these kind of conversations where sometimes it's either the elephant in the room or it's a taboo subject where we can actually dive in and really understand it and not just to send it out there, but also for myself, it's a selfish pursuit to want to be, become a better person. I want to become the, the best human being I can possibly become. I want to become more self-aware. I want to become more able to help other people like that, that I possibly can. So I absolutely love that. And I, and I echo that. So I want to, I want to just move on ever so slightly, unless there was anything else that you wanted to add there. Oh, it was on the topic of the self accountability. Yeah. Um, where I think that can let pe- where that could let people down on is, you know, when we talked about self awareness, mm-hmm. I've found that the majority of people that don't really have that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, say for example, you might call someone out on their weakness, and then they get incredibly defensive. <laughs> yeah, that shows that they're not truly accepting of themselves. Because if you want to truly accept and love yourself, you accept all of you in the sense you accept your strengths and your weaknesses. Yeah, I think that's a very, very good point. And I've openly shared, actually, so for any of the listeners um, still with me, I think probably 20, 30 episodes ago, Back in the day, I'm talking eight, nine years ago, when I first ever met my wife, if she ever criticized me for anything, I was the last person who wanted to hear it. I hated criticism. I couldn't take it, even if it was constructive. I would always take it almost like a personal attack on everything about me, that my identity was attached to it. And then over through reading many books and going through this self-development journey, I believe I'm in a much better place now with self-awareness. And I openly admit now to every part of me. So there's certain parts of my behavior and my personality, I don't, I don't necessarily like, but I have to accept that they're there. And then it becomes then almost a mission for me to try and work on those. So the one that I always mention is, I, I can't explain it, but sometimes I get really, really frustrated and I, I almost lose my temper from zero to a hundred. Now it's very, very rare because I'm quite a calm person, but when I lose it, it's almost like a red rage that I can't, I can't stop it in that moment. And I, and it used to last like an hour or two hours, whereas I've kind of got it down now to like a five minute thing, which at the minute I'm very proud of because I, I set a stop loss and I say, you're allowed to be angry or frustrated with yourself or whatever. And I take myself into a separate room. Um, it sounds pretty crazy admitting this online, but and then I move away for five, five minutes and then I have that moment to then really understand myself and try and realize where these triggers are coming from. Why am I doing this? So it is a journey. It's not something that, you know, you read a book or you listen to Gary Vee for, for a weekend and all of a sudden you have self-awareness. I think it's such an important skill and it does require the difficult questions. We have to look at the man in the mirror or the lady in the mirror and say, well, are you actually the person that you think you are? And actually kind of peel that back and look into it. Yeah, it's 
like how I describe it is it's what would someone say behind your back mm. rather than to your face because mm. that's when people take sometimes people send to take the true the true stuff behind someone's back yeah whereas I'm the opposite I just I'm unfiltered, yeah. so I just say it. it, it <laughs> I love that. it. I'll, if I'm saying it behind someone's back, I'm still prepared to say it to their face. Absolutely. Because with me, it's like I live a life without regret, so it's like you no, know, for example, someone asks you to apologise for something. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, I don't apologise because if I'm apologising, I'm effectively regretting what I've said. Whereas if I've said something, I've had a reason for saying it. Mm-hmm. Like, they might not like it, but if I've said that, it's not because for no reason. Mm. But, but playing devil's advocate there, what if you did something that was, when you look back at it, a, a complete mistake and you're like, oh my God, I wish I never did that. Has that ever happened and then you've had to apologise? Or have you just like never apologised? Not if it, I believe in self-accountability. So if okay. it's something that I've done a genuine mistake, I'll accept and own it. Right, okay. Straight away. But if it's not, mm-hmm. and if it's say, for example, like someone else did something and then they tried to shift the blame onto me, mm. I'll cut, I'll completely call them out yeah. for it, but I'll do it in front of everyone. Yeah, I'll do it in front. Of, I'll do it in front of everyone just in case to make sure things don't go south because there's witnesses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas in private, people can easily like flip the lid and then twist the story to other people. Yeah. So if ever something was going to happen, I prefer to make sure like there's witnesses. Mm-hmm. Because that way, if they're seeing like a situation as well, then if it's not just me saying it, it's other people and it's starting to add up. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're in a society where sometimes we're overly polite as well. Um, I, I, I know I'm that person who, if I'm walking down the road and somebody bumps into me, I, I almost say sorry myself. Or if you know, somebody's rushing my way and I always say sorry. And I'm thinking, why am I constantly saying sorry like all of the time? Like I'm apologizing for stuff that isn't even my even my fault. Because the thing is, words have power, and because people are using that word sorry that much, it's lost its actual power and meaning. Mm. Mm. Like some like it's to a point now where you could just do something, you could say sorry, completely not mean it. Yeah. That person thinks you've apologized when you've actually lied. Yeah. I believe in change behavior. Yeah. yeah, it's like words have power. Words absolutely it, have power. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like apologizing. That is quite a powerful thing to do. Mm. But if you're doing it without sincerity, mm. what's the actual point in doing it? Because it doesn't achieve anything. You've effectively lied to the other person yeah. just to make them feel better when over long term that could hurt them. Yeah, because you've in effect you're not really sorry mm-hmm. so you know you'll do that action again and then they'll end up calling you out for being a hypocrite for doing the exact thing yeah 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 it's all about intent isn't it in relation to yeah yeah but also at times you have to think of what was discussed upon a bit before was unintended consequences mm-hmm. N- no one really like 
no one really like thinks of that. Could you so elaborate you have, on that? Like an unintended consequence. Say, for example, you might have an argument with like a, a family member or something. Mm-hmm. Or say, for example, an argument with a work colleague. They could be someone that completely like flips the lid. They could then like say go home and take it out on a a relative or something like that. You just like never know that could that that's an extreme example of an unintended consequence, but you can get the point. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that if you're making a decision, at the end of the day, whatever decision you make, you've got to live with it. Yeah. So the question is, you have to ask yourself as a person, can you live with that decision? And if you can, like, because of my where my empathy is, I know, like, I can live with them decisions. They may not be the nicest of decisions. They could actually be, like, emotionally hard ones. Mm-hmm. Like, say, for example, like, I've sat in a mentoring thing and I've had to tell a student that, their idea is complete hogwash or that they're the worst leader of that team. I would find that very, very difficult to do. But like, it's needed. Yeah, you know, like sometimes the tough conversations actually develop you more as a person than the easy ones. Absolutely. Because that's when you'll sort of, in a way, learn what, you pe- learn what you're capable of or you'll learn like, character i 100 percent agree with what you're saying in terms of we need those difficult conversations because that teaches you more skills and it'll, it'll give you much more from doing it rather than avoiding it but somebody like myself who i think i'm getting better with it i'm trying to assert my assertiveness that's something that i've always struggled with um because i don't naturally like conflict i'm very adverse to conflict i don't like it because i know my personality is a zero to a hundred character so any advice for anyone who doesn't like conflict in terms of why they need to actually be willing to take, take on conflict in the right situations, if that makes sense? It's because you might be seeing conflict as a negative when actually it can be used as a positive. Mm. Like say, for example, you've heard of like the storming norming phase of group dynamics. Mm-hmm. Because of you wanting to avoid conflict, you effectively bypass that storming phase just to please other people when really yeah. if you have that storming phase everyone's being like more effective as a team because effectively everyone's putting the cards on the table yeah yeah and it's like you'll know if you're a true effective team or not when the, as you said before when the shit hits the fan yeah yeah it's like not when the going's good and everything's oh we're making all these sales everyone's high-fiving each other Mm-hmm. it's when you're in a bad run that's when you know that's when you'll start to see people's character come out and whether if if like we discussed before if their behavior was a front yeah 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 because you know these days with social media people some people put what they want on absolutely you can become whoever you want to be on social media so it gives everyone as long as you can write a few fancy words, you can change your caption to become whoever you want to be. Are you using like Instagram filters, Snapchat filters? <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. even Photoshop. Oh, mate, yeah, I've seen it all. Absolutely. There's, there's, all, there's all of that. But then, say, for example, you'll see someone like that. 
which can be used in dating. You'll take them on a date. They're a completely different thing. You're like, <laughs> you've been catfished. Absolutely. The same things happen in business. Like you could, like how you mentioned in the property deal with someone. Yeah. yeah. If you don't do say like the proper due diligence, then you can get some unfortunately nasty surprises. Absolutely. It's like say for example with working as a team. Mm. When I done it at university, I didn't pick people because I liked them. I picked them for the skills and their ability to get the job done. It's like with me, I don't care if I'm liked or disliked. Yeah. With me, it's have I got the job done to the best of my ability? Because in effect, I've gave someone my word saying I'll do this job to the best of my ability. Mm. If I've not done that, then I'm compromising my own values. Yeah. And why should I compromise those values just to pay lip service to someone who's effectively a name and number? I love that. I've just, I've just been taking notes as you're saying that because that resonates with me so much. There's so many points there, Daniel, that I want to just go over them one more time for my, to, to understand it better myself, but I think it's going to be so useful for the people listening, if I may. Yeah, because it does take like a time to process because some people, when they hear that like, for the first time, it's like it effectively contradicts everything they've known. Of course. Of in course. a way. Of course. And you began by initially, when I mentioned the conflict thing, you, you hit the nail on the head straight away by saying it's because I have a negative connotation towards uh, conflict. So instantly when I'm seeing, even hearing that word, I'm thinking it, it almost instantly means that there's going to be an eruption or anger or falling out of people. And then obviously you mentioned the people pleasing, which to some degree, I'm very kind of, I have my days where I'm like, yeah, I don't care what people think. But at the same time, I also know I'm a people pleaser as well. And I think, I don't know if this is just for people who may not have a reduced lack of empathy. I think people love to be liked. I think generally as a society, we all kind of want to feel like we fit in. It, maybe that's a tribe mentality taking us back into history here. But it really, really makes sense. And I think this is so important for anyone listening here is that when we make these decisions, we have to live by them and not pay the lip service like you just mentioned and think about what are your values. So if your values are, I'm going to deliver X, Y, and Z, then concentrate on acquiring the right skill set in order to achieve that. I think that's right, isn't it? Yeah, but it's also that person needs to have the self-awareness to know what their limits are and their weaknesses. Mm. Like, say, for example, my we my weakness, as I, because I mentioned, is like my empathy. Yeah. I know I need someone in the team that's good with people. For example, I can deliver effective presentations because because of my reduced empathy, I don't get nervous. Yeah. I'm like, what does the audience want? Give them that. Like, say, for example, doing a presentation, I'm like, who am I doing the presentation in front of? What do they want to see? And I'll tailor it to what they want. And then it's about anticipating the questions, what they're going to ask, and then making sure you can answer them because it's the Q&A bit what fully tests your credibility. The presentation bit, equate that as to like a movie trailer. You're putting on a show for them to get them interested into asking you into making them want to know like more about what, what, what you're doing. You mentioned it earlier, and I say this quite a lot actually myself, it's a gift and a curse with any of us, anyone listening, we're all built differently. We all think differently. We all have different experiences based on, based on obviously our life and how we now construct the world in our head. And one of yours there that you just mentioned, not being nervous, 
there's a part of me like, my God, I wish I never felt nervous. Because even before this conversation, and remember, this is a show that I've been doing for almost two years now. I'm 130 episodes in. I still get the jitters and the nerves. I'm thinking, am I going to be able to have this conversation? Is it going to go well? Am I going to make loads of mistakes? And I have all these kind of overthinking in my head. Whereas then at the same time, because of my anxiety, because of my nervousness, I'm also able to connect with people like yourself and then have these meaningful, deep conversations as well. So again, I think it's perspective. It's, you know, choose your heart, as they say. And, I, and I'm kind of, now I've kind of accepted that, yes, the anxiety and nerves will maybe never go. But what I do is I know that the benefits and the fruits of the labor, once I go through it, are going to be worth it, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And also when we talked about that, the value and also in like not just business skills but also it applies to like personal and relationships as well like say if you're like thinking like trying to get with a partner mm -hmm. you've got to think you have your things what they bring to the table but you've got to ask them what do they bring to the table because you're doing it out of convenience and loneliness because that is something you shouldn't do because that can lead to toxic relationships mm -hmm. Like I've seen toxic relationships with people and I've seen they've got with each other. It's out of convenience. Mm. Or it's like, oh yeah, we'll stay together because of the kid. Like that type of issue. But Or it's out of money, they'll stay with them. It's not the right reason. To the own detriment of their own health. Mm -hmm. Not physical health, but also the mental health as well. Because it might make them become like a bitter individual. And it's like... You've effectively screwed yourself over yeah. by not being honest with yourself, but also the other person. That's really, that's really thought provoking. And I think they're brilliant questions that some people may not know, but some people may know, but be afraid to ask. Yes, like, I'm not afraid to ask the uncomfortable questions. They're the ones I actually find enjoyable yeah. because you actually learn a person's perspective from that. That's really interesting. I think, I think the whole world could especially most people listening to this could benefit from trying to ask those questions or what we could do is just get Daniel to ask them for us <laughs> and you get a lot of people asking you. But it's also, it's remember guys asking it, but it's also when you're giving the answer, some people they can't handle the answer. the answer. Like my rule is don't ask me a question if you aren't prepared for the answer. It's so weird. You said that I said that to the wife the other day, she was asking me a question and it wasn't a negative response that I was thinking of, but it wasn't necessarily like a positive one. And I did say to her, I said, if you want the answer, be prepared for the answer. And she actually sat with that for a moment because we really do try and become more self-aware and we really try and improve as, as human beings every single day. So we have to ask each other tough questions. And one of the things we both do with ourselves is we do have those conversations, like you mentioned, when we sit with each other on a week weekly basis and we have this kind of like a debrief of, of our marriage is there certain things that we could improve on are there certain things that you've noticed are changing but yeah it, it's funny because the other day i was like do you are you sure you want this answer and she kind of went away for two minutes and then she came back and she says right i'm ready because now she was in a state of realizing that i was only saying this out of love and it was constructive criticism and then fortunately it worked for us whereas five years ago prior to us ever starting this kind of relationship thing if i had just come out with the negative straight away it would, it would have rocked her world a little bit and she probably wouldn't have taken it the right way. Yeah. Like, also touching upon that constructive criticism, what I've found with society today is they get that confused with trolling or being a hater. Yeah. When it's two separate things, constructive criticism 
is where you'll give people like actions. You'll say, say for example, I said to a, I said to a student, your presentation is awful. I'll give them say like tips then. I'll tell them why it's awful, but then I'll say, here's how you can improve it. Whereas a hater will just say, that's crap. Yeah. That's it. And then they won't offer anything of value. Like with constructive criticism, you have to bring the value to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a great, great point. So yeah, if, if for anyone listening, perhaps maybe, maybe there are people here indirectly and unknowingly trolling that if you are going to ever say anything negative, maybe try and give some feedback in relation to how they can maybe improve or change the situation for the better. I think that's definitely um, great advice there, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I do need to just segue ever so slightly, uh, if I may. And one of the things uh, I want to try with you, if it's okay with yourself, is put you through the fun part of the show. Uh, I call it the fun part of the show. I'm not sure how much fun you're going to have with it, but it is effectively just about a minute. And I'm just going to run through some random questions. And this is just for the listeners listening, just to get a little bit of an insight into the things that Daniel likes. Um, but the rules are simple. One word or one sentence answers only. So whenever yeah. you're ready, we're going to get started. Oh yeah, that's all the fun. <laughs> okay, we're going to start in three, two, one. Okay, Daniel, what is your favorite hobby? Gaming. Your biggest mistake last year? Trusting. Mm. Your favorite game? I like Kingdom Hearts. Okay. Your proudest achievement? This one's more than one word. But when the chairman of the Nobel Found- Foundation said I was inspirational. I love that. You're allowed to give one sentence as well, so that's absolutely fine. And and people normally go over, so don't worry too much. Um, the best lesson anyone has ever taught you? Yesterday's no failure is life's greatest teacher. I love that. If you had one extra hour a day, how would you spend it? I'd say helping more people. I love that. I love that. With, the, you... with Q&As. Yeah, I love that. If you could get the listeners to do one thing after this episode, what would it be? It would be to get a piece of paper mm-hmm. and write down your strengths and your weaknesses. Then when, you've do- then when you've done that, you can use that to help in- make better life decisions, Absolutely. but also to hopefully find like inner peace within themselves. Mm-hmm. Love that. What are you secretly good at that nobody knows? Manipulation. Interesting. Interesting. Actually, this moves on to the next one. Would you rather the ability to read minds or predict the future? Read minds. Okay. Because then I could go to Las Vegas <laughs> and do poker. I could know what everyone's thinking. Then yeah. I'd bluff in the early parts of the game to make it look like I'm losing and not a threat. Then go for the big win. Then it looks better as a comeback. There you go. <laughs> Who is your biggest role model? I don't have one. Okay. Because you- then... The reason why I don't have one is it's comparing because you're comparing yourself with other people. And I think you need to live like live in your own lane. Your favorite TV show? The Imagineering Story. Okay. And finally, if you could sit with one person in the world, dead or alive, for an hour, who would it be? Oh, my grandma. And that is the end of that, that part of the show. So um, as we kind of wind down, Daniel, um, the next question is about hindsight and it's about how hindsight teaches us all ways that we could obviously do things better and i think you said that quote beautifully about yesterday being failure is life's greatest teacher that's it 
Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the questions I always ask my guests is if maybe you could go back in time, maybe to a younger Daniel, perhaps, and whisper something in his ears, knowing everything that you know now, what would you say? Watch people's actions more. Yeah. I think that's such an, an important thing that everyone should do moving forward diligently, especially now we're as a society, as a world um, economy and everything, we're going through turmoil there's a lot of vulnerability there's a lot of people potentially struggling so we have to be aware of the decisions that we make and one of the best ways we can safeguard that is just by watching people's actions so absolutely i i definitely echo that so that does kind of bring us towards the end of the show daniel and at this point what i normally do is i want to ask you if there's anything that you want to maybe leave the audience with or if there's any questions that you wish i had asked you that maybe we, we could touch on before i give the listeners a chance to connect with yourself the one where we talked upon manipulation yeah where you said interesting yeah. why do you find that interesting so again i think i have negative connotations towards the word manipulation um I, I, and i may, may, might be wrong here but i i believe in i have a better feeling with the word persuasion rather than manipulation i always assume manipulation is doing something solely for self-gain uh, at the detriment of the person that you're doing it to I could be wrong with there. So that, that's my thoughts with it. So the fact that you, you said that, I was thinking that's interesting that you, you had the ability and probably the IQ to be able to manipulate, but many of us wouldn't even know. That's why I find it interesting. There's also the Uncle Ben quote from Spider-Man that I believe with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Like with manipulation, think of it as say like a tool it can be used for good like how you use it for good is more of motivation not persuading but it's more of motivating people because if you've watched someone's behavior enough you know what motivates them think about it you're actually manipulating them to do like the better thing it's just you're not seeing it as manipulation it's actually another word whereas normally when people say manipulation they're associating the negative connotations with it and they think like and they think of like domestic abusers or say like narcissists whereas that's why we that we also talked about before the people's action that's when you learn if someone's doing it for self-gain or not like say for example i focus on the result the result's actually bigger than me so if i'm manipulating people to get the result the most effective result i'm not caring if i'm going to be liked or disliked at the end of it mm. it's was the result done to the high standard that the person wanted and to the quality that it was done absolutely that's interesting I, i've learned a lot um during this conversation and i think more about myself in terms of the way that i see the world and the way that i see certain words for example conflict and now manipulation are, I'm almost seeing them in a completely different way now. So I've made notes here to obviously research and look more into that because again, it's, it's not a fact. It's just an opinion that I've had in my head. And I think now listening to your explanation of it, I'm definitely guilty of manipulating people in my family. The people that everyone is absolutely because everyone is, they just don't admit it. Yeah. We don't admit it. And I'll admit whereas, it now. Absolutely. Oh, well, I admit it. Yeah. I'll openly admit I do it, but, Powerful. I, but I'm doing it for the right reason like because it's not effectively about me like because say if it was about me 
and it, I was to use that negatively, it'd be against like my own value, and it's about like the the personal integrity. But also, you've got to think about: can you live with the decision? Like we know we're in, like as we talked about before, like we're in say like the same property group. We've heard the words manipulation be used before, mm. and there are certain trainers who use these techniques for the wrong reason, whereas I believe it should be done, done for the right reason. There's also an important phrase to switch up on, bad things start with good intentions. That's interesting. I like that. Like, say, for example, there's a certain someone. Mm-hmm. We won't mention a name. Mm-hmm. They may have, may have said, like, they're a good Christian. He may have started off a business for the right reason, yeah. but due to recent events, that's where the bad things start with yeah. good intention. Bad things have came from his initial good intention because certain methods were used morally in the wrong way, which contravenes the teachings of the religion the so-called person yeah. worships. I have so many examples of what, why you said that. I've actually circled it here. I think, again, it's a values thing, though. Again, I might be wrong, and, and this is one man's perspective, but I believe one of the things I say is that if I go out with good intentions, if there's a, an element or a possibility that it could turn bad, I would stop because my values would kick in, and instantly I would not feel right continuing with that. Whereas if if I had bad intentions initially, but I was like, let me just go do a good thing for charity, for example. The moment I start doing that thing for charity, if I realize I can maybe keep a little bit aside, for example, I'm just making up a scenario here, I would probably carry on if I was a bad person. Does that make sense? No, no, you said it. You said like in the exact right, right, right way. Like I've seen examples of that and I call people out for it, as you know. Yeah. Like I can sort of take the heat for it because i may not say it in the most diplomatic way mm. i'll just say it as it is for what it is but that's why when we discussed earlier in this talk it's about combining several things it's like which is one to give the readers here for tips on when you're looking at someone's behavior watch the behavior over a st- sustained period of time mm-hmm. could be months even years is what we're saying measuring up with those behaviours over the long period of time. Also, it's how quick is, is, is the, does the person known to manipulate the situation? But then you also need to look at is, you've got to look at like the effects of what it's doing. It's say, for example, if you're standing by while someone's doing a bad thing, you're effectively an enabler. I agree. And enabling something bad to think of it as you could watch something if you're watching something bad happen but you know you can prevent it yeah like enabling the situation which it makes you as bad as the person that's carrying out the action with malicious intent i think that i think that last point is going to sit with a lot of people and it's it's actually a point that i've played with over and over in my head to the point of 
thing. I always stand. I well, at least I try. I try and stand for things like justice, equality, and stuff. And that a lot of that comes from my siblings. So my siblings come from the care system. So one of the um, reasons be, even behind Find Your Voice was to give people a platform who don't have a voice. So my younger brother, for example, has autism. He's going to potentially struggle to integrate into normal life because because of the, the way he is. Yeah. Josh, my other brother as well, the same learning difficulties. And he's been diagnosed with a few things and he struggles as well. So I always want to be an advocate for people. Then I have the other side of me, which is I don't want the conflict. I don't want this headache or this fighting 24-7. But then I think without using the word enabler, somewhere in my head, I was like, I'm just as bad as people. If I know these people are out there exploiting people and taking advantage and they've been on my platform or they've used me or through association somewhere down the line, we were together. I almost need to kind of at least cut that off, at least set it and forget it and that's why a lot of the work recently i never wanted it to come across as like a negative i'm, I'm far from a negative person i'm very i try and be optimistic i you know i try and be re as realist as i possibly can but i felt i can't be an enabler of this kind of behavior and as small as my voice is for whatever my audience is i felt i needed to stand up for it and this is another thing as well i massively encourage people on un find your voices to have the courage to stand up for what you believe is right and i think and on a deep human level, we all know when things are right and wrong. Uh, you know, there might be a few things in the gray area, but generally speaking, we generally know what's right and wrong. So, yeah, all right. That's also part of the reason why um, you may have seen, I don't know, but um, I do like a weekly post called Wisdom on a Wednesday. Yeah. For me, I'm doing that to help people, but also as a way of demystifying say like methods or to give people genuinely business advice because say if i'm not helping those people i'd effectively be allowing them to be manipulate manipulated by people that don't have the best interests at heart mm. and for me as part of my ethics and values i want to like help people so that they're being the best and true version of themselves. Yeah. Like, like sometimes like I've had to speak to people where they've asked me questions because they've been told by a certain person they could do this when it's far from the reality. Mm -hmm. Like I've effectively crushed their dream. Mm. Like, where I've, I try to give people like the most helpful advice to stop them from being like say scammed by others. Yeah. It's about like for me another saying that I believe is important is knowledge is power only if you know how to use it. Otherwise it's just like a useless knowledge that you can't really share with everyone. And then, in essence, the knowledge is lost. Yeah. And I think a lot of these scam artists have the surface-level knowledge, but they don't actually know how to apply stuff. Um, not to go too much on a tangent, and I just find it more of a kind of motivational spiel in terms of saying the right stuff, but not actually knowing how to execute on stuff. Yeah, and whereas it's like the execution is sort of key, it's like with my, with my friend that owns his businesses, he's a good executor, but he's not necessarily the best planner. Mm. That's where 
we sort of balance each other out. So for our like listeners, it's about how you find that balance, but also that inner piece of self-reflection within your own life to help make better life decisions. Because whilst I like live a life without regret, to your listeners is, if you're on your deathbed, do you want to talk about like the what ifs, mm. what could have been done or this is what I actually did. I love that. Daniel, you're fascinating. I'm, I'm just realizing that um, it's obviously gone slightly longer, which is absolutely fine because I, f- I found this conversation, I found it intriguing initially before I could join it, but I've just learned so, so much. And I always write notes when I'm going through an episode because I, I'm a firm believer we, we can learn from every single person we come in contact with, whether that's good or bad. But with you, it's just generally like, I call them firebombs or knowledge bombs and you've just given me yeah. so much food for thought here in terms of how to not only increase my own self-awareness and my own personal development and live live each day you know be present in each day see every day as a gift you know life is short which which i try and do but i don't always do it but also i think for me i've learned that from like my own disabilities like some people might not necessarily like learn that until they've had like Say, for example, like a bad situation happens to them or yeah. something like that. But think of like your disabled relatives as a blessing mm. because they teach you about the moment and the happiness yeah. and like the pure emotion of joy. 100%. And I, I say this on probably 90% of my episodes. I don't want somebody to go through the adversities or the stories that we've shared on these episodes to to then feel that level of gratitude to then experience life the reason i bring people on like yourself is to give that perspective that we have the ability right now to live in the now and to really move ourselves forward and hopefully one day we're not on our deathbeds especially after listening to this show or any of the episodes and thinking what if that's not what i want from people i truly want them to and i use the metaphor find your voice and then go out and write your own story so yeah, it's been, um, it's, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'd love to get you back on maybe in the future and we can discuss other topics because this has been, this has been one of the most thought-provoking episodes for myself. I've kind of just kept it as a general conversation. Um, it's great to get into a, a mind much, much wiser than mine with, with more intelligence and to understand ways that I can be better as an empath as well. So I know a lot of my listeners are very, are very similar to myself in terms of the way that they see the world and the way that they think. And I think we could all benefit from almost finding a kind of a nicer medium to help us move forward. Yeah. So I, I want to, I want to thank you for that. It's like to the empaths, what can help you is keep a diary because mm-hmm. that'll help you identify your triggers of your behaviors and maybe ask like a person that's close to you as well to like help you with that. Mm-hmm. But also once you've learned your triggers also, because you're an empath, your weaknesses, you can be emotionally manipulated by the wrong type of individual, which is why I was addressing to everyone before, like the tips of watching people's actions over a period of time. Because that's when you'll, you'll see the mask slip, if you will, of people. It's like watch, it's like watch people's behavior, um, 
especially with what they say or do, how they react in bad situations. Say, for example, if you're, you're going through a bad situation, would that person be the first to get in touch with you? Mm-hmm. Or would they not? So true. Or are they only getting in touch with you when the going's good? Yeah. Absolutely. And, th- and these are so... They're, they're so simple when you say it, but it's just... It's, it's forgotten. Like it's, be- it's because I'm running out of the emotional detachment. Yeah. Whereas that's why I was talking about it's a blessing and it's a curse because it's a blessing in that because I was struggling with how to read people's body language and everything. I read books on human psychology and also I studied a bit of sociology Mm -hmm. where I've learned all different types of behaviours, how people behave, even how society interacts. I can also how religion is interwoven into society. Mm -hmm. But because I see it in an unfiltered way, I'm I've learned how people, how the wrong people like manipulate the agenda. Daniel, it's it's been absolutely fascinating. I, I genuinely uh, we could we could speak for hours, but I think um, even the listeners would be confused at why we've got a two-hour episode rather than a forty-five minute or a sixty-minute. I just going to say a whole part of this listeners have appreciated the value we could both help people with. Absolutely. The, the immense value that you've, you've came with. Um, one of the things um, I normally do, and I, again, this is totally up to yourself, is give the listeners a chance to maybe connect with yourself and maybe follow you or learn from you. I'm not sure if you're open to that, but if you are, I think it'd be fascinating for people to learn from yourself. And obviously now they have a better understanding in terms of you as a person, the, the value that you bring, but also that if, for example, your responses may seem on what unusual for them hopefully that that brings a little bit of sense to them as well oh yeah i'm on i'm on facebook i also on a wednesday mm-hmm. do wisdom on a wednesday post where i have my own wisdom on a wednesday post where i teach people business knowledge and values in the truth about samuel leeds and those that use similar methods facebook page Fantastic. i am always available for people's questions Hopefully you can share. You can feel free to share that with your listeners. Absolutely, absolutely. That's very, very kind of you for sharing that. And I've seen. I think I've seen your first ever one and your second one, and it's very insightful stuff. And I think the more I get to know you now, I can understand. It's very solution orientated. It's very problem solving, and it's about execution as well. So if anyone obviously wants to learn that, please do follow. And again, um, hopefully you don't bombard him too much. But Daniel's obviously here for to answer your questions. It's a completely different perspective. I've literally wrote, I think, six pages of notes here, which I'm excited to obviously digest as I edit this episode and go back over. And I just want to say thank you once more, obviously, Daniel, for taking time out of your day to come on to be honest in sharing your life, sharing your perspective, sharing how you experience the world. It's been really, really eye-opening. And although you may not be able to tell the signs, but I am internally grateful Um, I'm not sure how my body language is or how I should be reacting, but it's truly a blessing to have connected with yourself because I've leveled up from this and, you know, I feel like we've got a relationship now. So obviously I always say this to any of my guests and I mean this sincerely as well, that for anyone who comes on Find Your Voice, you become part of the Find Your Voice family and this show wouldn't be where it is if it wasn't for guests like yourself. That Nobody wants to hear me speak on a mic for an hour every single week. 
it's because of the guests that make this show so i want to say thank you obviously for being a part of that and if there's anything i can ever help you with then please do reach out oh the same with me as well i also believe like everyone has their own story to tell that's what make that's what makes life beautiful and interesting absolutely absolutely and what a fantastic way to end so for everyone else at home as well thank you so much for listening oh thank you very much for, be, for being on